Sometimes it takes those little moments of mistakes, of things that you wish you wouldn't have done to have that repair and to be able to connect and bond on an even deeper level, even though you screwed up a little bit in that moment because we're human, because we all do. And our bond was even better afterwards because of it. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Welcome to this bonus episode of Herself. It is Abby and I's dream to have two episodes a week someday. And so today is the test of it because what you might not see behind the scenes is our sponsors want a certain amount of downloads. And so if we would go to two episodes a week, it's important that you guys listen and share and help us accomplish this dream. So we're excited to continue to provide you with the best resource that we can come up with and support you along your journey. One thing that we wanted to do was reflect on the episode that came out on Monday with Dr. Becky Kennedy. And one thing that I was telling Abby I love about her is that I've just been hearing her meet people where they are. So she's not the type of expert that is going to shame you for what you're doing. She's not going to pretend that there is a perfect way to parent. Rather, she's trying to come alongside of you and help you wherever you are. When we were on our walk before we started recording, I said, you know, I really think the message for women is that if there is someone that you're following or listening to, and they are constantly making you feel bad about yourself, I don't think that's the right fit. I don't think that the people that have the knowledge to help educate us on how to be a better mother, be a better partner, be a better person should be shaming us like that as we know, does not work. And so if that's the message that you're finding online, I feel like find new people. And we're really passionate that no matter what, motherhood cannot be perfect. Like There's no such thing as a perfect mother. There's a million ways to be a good mother. And so we believe that there's not always going to be a perfect script to say and the perfect script is not even always going to work. I said, I've raised three kids, you know, I've had a three year old three times now. And I can tell you that sometimes getting them back to a regulated state, there's not a script for that. It takes time. It takes you just being there. There's not a perfect thing you can say. And sometimes the script will work one day and you'll be like, yes, "Yes, I have the magic elixir. I have figured this out. And then you use the exact same script, even in almost the same situation and it doesn't work and you get disheartened. Like I'm doing something wrong. I'm at fault. I'm to blame. And in reality, they're kids, you guys. Well, even with adults, it's so interesting because my two best friends from college, Beth and Maggie, they would work themselves up for every conversation that they had. That was like a big deal. Mm -hmm. They would practice with each other. So one time I remember they had to have this conversation with our track coach and they're like, okay, what if he says this? 
then we can say this. (laughs) What if he says this? Then we should say this. And like they had all these scenarios and then they would go have the conversation and it was just like way more straightforward. So that's to say that we believe that you have to keep the humanity in mothering. We're not doing our kids favors if we become robots that say the same thing every time. You have to be who you are as a mother. And all of us are so different. And so these things are going to sound different. Now, I'm not saying that's not a good framework to start off of, like these experts that are giving us frameworks. I totally get it. But make sure that you are allowing yourself to be a person because people connect to people and your little person is no different. They're going to connect to that person that you are rather than the mom that's always trying to say the perfect thing. To go into that a little further too, I know there's been times in my life where if I have the perfect script, I feel like I can just run the world. So I'll have it in a notes document or in a Google Drive and I can just pull it up and have the right thing to say at the right time. It can happen in sales. It can happen with your kids. It can happen with your partner. It can happen with your best friend. And then all of a sudden you get into that situation and you don't have that resource. Your phone is in the other room. You don't have the notes pulled up. And all of a sudden you feel at a loss. And I think that sometimes when you rely so heavily on an outside source to be the thing that's going to pull you through, you don't have faith in yourself. Having the ability to be fluid and come up with the ideas and be able to look at your child, look at the person you're talking to, and in that moment, be able to make those decisions. That's when you know that you're the one who is helping them and not just some script. Well, also, it's really interesting because my problem is when I want to have a serious talk with whether it's Drew, Abby, whomever... I just start bawling. I mean, like I had this, <laughs> I had intro, this here's plan. Intro. <laughs> I had this plan. I was going to nail this. I was going to really let them know, like, here's why what you're doing is bothering me. And then I just burst into tears because that is the emotion of being human is yeah. like sometimes you're not going to be able to deliver the perfect address to who you're talking to, but you are going to show them like I'm worked up right now. And here's why as soon as I can gather myself. So One thing that I thought was interesting from the episode is that we started to talk about, okay, what happens when your child says something that sounds like, I can give you a couple examples from our own household. Maxwell's really keyed on video games. So I think the trouble with school-agers is that now a lot of their life happens outside of our house and we can't control what they're mm-hmm. hearing about, what they're seeing. Other kids literally have, you know, their gadgets at school and are letting our kids play with them. The loss of control, and this is just the beginning, you know, right, like right. this is just the beginning. So that's okay. Our kids are going to exist outside of us. But what happens when they bring that back inside our house? So it sounds like. Max might say something like, I want a mom who lets me play video games. Weston gets to play video games, you know, et cetera. He'll try to make me feel really bad. And so the way that I've been responding to him is that, Max, that's okay. You know, Micah's mom is allowed to make decisions for her family. For our family, we're deciding that we don't want video games in this household yet. And Max is six. He's a smart young man. I even go further and I say, for us, we're just trying to protect your brains. 
So we want you to be smart. We want you to be well rested. We want you to be all of these things that video games we feel like right now is just not the right choice. And I truly believe that. I'm allowed to make a different choice than Abby makes inside of her house. I don't even have to judge her. I honestly don't have judgment. You're doing what you need to do for your family. For my family, we have seen our kids after they play video games. We go to my sister-in-law's and they have a Wii and the boys get to play it and they love it. And it's so fun because it's this special occasion. They don't have it at our house. They never get to play video games at our house. So when we go over there, it's this really exciting thing. Also, when we turn it off after two hours, they're like zombies. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> It's yes. really hard to get them to stop and transition back into a different part of their life. So sometimes when you're dealing with that, well, Max's mom lets him do X, Y, and Z. I think it's okay to normalize. Like That's okay for that family. Mm-hmm. That family, she's making her own choices in our household. Here's my boundary and here's the reason why. And it goes back to values too. Everyone has different types of values. Not that, you know, and you can have good values. There's so many different values out there that they can all be good values. It's just what is most important to you. And Mm -hmm. you can't think that everything is important. Otherwise, you'll be running around like a chicken with your head cut off. But yeah, we had this, have had the same thing. One of our neighbors had a Wii. And I remember every time Lucy would come back, it was always the conversation of, can we get one? Can we get one? Can we get one? And then you realize that sometimes it's wonderful. And sometimes it can be really, really hard. So just figuring out for yourself and making those decisions. It's also interesting because the kids that actually have them, like my nieces, they don't care about it as much as the boys care about it because they have it. So, And I'm sure their parents have rules around it and it's not a big deal for them. But for our boys, it's such a big deal because it's the thing that you don't have. So another thing that we talked about that goes right along with this in that episode is you know, kids can escalate from there. And so sometimes as a parent, when a kid says something like, I hate you, or I want a new mom, that can feel hurtful. But what we talked about with Dr. Becky is the idea of why is you're making mommy feel bad or pretending you're crying or something like that, not good for the kid. And the reason is because you're their steady, safe home harbor. Like you are the steadiness. So when they say something that is off the cusp, they're trying to be hurtful. If all of the sudden you're reacting in a way where you're you're matching them, like they're crying and they're mad and then you're crying and you're mad. That's not to say that's never going to happen. That's just to say, especially if you're pretend crying, that manipulation of like, wait, you have to help mom regulate her emotions when it's actually, as a parent, my job to help regulate his emotions. And now this gets really hard because kids do say things where you're like, I don't even understand. Drew and I don't talk like that. Where did you guys even get this? It can be really frustrating. It can come after a night of, you know, eight things that were not the best, but trying to self-regulate so that you're the steady person and you're not then like flipping your emotional needs onto them when they need you. So I like that part of the conversation because I think sometimes when we have the reasons why behind the things that parenting experts say, 
I find it helps me to execute better. And we both got some coaching from Dr. Becky on the interview where she was walking through like, oh, these are some things that would be helpful in the situation. These are some things that wouldn't be helpful. But above everything else, if you've done this in the past, you've not screwed up your kids. No. You have not screwed oh, up your I've, relationship. Like I said that on is- the episode, <laughs> I've literally said, okay, go find a new mom. <laughs> exactly. And also it's all about repair. Like what yeah. can we do next? We are learning right now. And what can we do next? One of the things that we had talked about that just hit home for me and I had jotted down so many notes and I was reviewing them before this episode was coaching through those triggers that happen at bedtime. For me, bedtime has been a trigger since Lucy was born pretty much since our kids were really, really little. And just one of the things she asked was, how do you interpret this event? And even on the interview, we're going through the conversation. But when I actually got to sit back and think about how I interpreted that event, just a flood of emotions came in. And mm-hmm. that's another reason why we want to jump on these bonus episodes is to be able to go through the thoughts that we have after the episode. Our kids at night, much like your kids, they're needy. They're depleted. They're loud. It's hard to go to bed. All you want them to do is lay down because you just want that little tiny break at the end of the day to be by yourself, to be with your partner, to clean up whatever it is. And their neediness, their loudness, them getting out of bed, it just, it's such a trigger. It can be such a trigger. And I remember when I was growing up, I was the convenient child. It was me and my brother. I was the quote unquote older, perfect girl. I did everything right. I never missed a day of school. (laughs) (laughs) I never missed a day of school, first through 12th grade. I followed things to a T. I was polite. I was quiet when I needed to be. I spoke up when I needed to, and it was applauded all the time. And I saw that. I saw that my mom and my dad would be so proud of me when I would follow the rules. So I would do it more. I was literally doing everything that they wanted me to do, even if in that moment I wanted to scream and run downstairs, or if I wanted to be a little bit restless, or if I wanted something else, I was putting my own needs, even at a really young mm-hmm. age, just I was quieting them in order to satisfy my parents and my caretakers at the time. And it took me listening to Dr. Becky and then re-listening back to that episode to really think that I feel like I sometimes do that to Lucy. Like Lucy and I, we have such similar personalities. She's this bright, shining star. She does the right things. And then when she doesn't, I feel like I'm so hard on her. Like, wait, you're the kid who usually gets this right. What's going on here? Like, you can't act like this, even though I wouldn't do the exact same thing if Mm -hmm. Micah or Owen did it. I just expect so much of her. And it's hard because when you're looking at yourself as a child and how that shaped me, I mean, I love how I grew up. A lot of those things have helped me in my future and what I'm doing right now. They've also had a negative impact. And have had a negative impact. Because that's what, I feel like that's what women always do. They're like, but it's okay because like, look at how great that served me in my career. And it's like, no, it's okay if also that was difficult. And I have a hard time speaking about my needs sometimes still. And I fall into those patterns of staying quiet when I want to say something and, and, and. And so when you're seeing that happen, not because of what you're doing, but you're enabling it, it's easier to look at it and say, I have control over myself right now. Like There are things I can do to let Lucy be the person that she needs to be, to let her have that outburst when she needs to have that outburst, to let her come downstairs and ask for that extra hug and not be so upset because she never, ever does it. And sometimes when you look back and think about how you grew up, think about what you're doing with your own kids, it just kind of shines a light on the things that we can do a tad better. It's wild because A, you guys aren't in the room, but I can see Abby have like emotion in her eyes when she's talking about this. Number two, when she was talking, and I'm not saying this was the case for her, but I just see how that could follow you to every stage of life. So all of a sudden you're in your first romantic relationships and you're not going to speak up for what you need because you've learned that you can just please this person by acting in a way that is pleasing to them. 
And so if you have the personality type and the upbringing like Abby, and now you're in your romantic partnership and you have kids, the reason that you are putting yourself last or not speaking up when your partner isn't pulling their weight, you know, links back to when you were five Mm -hmm. and you were the star person that just made everyone happy. Yeah. And in episode 139, Molly Millwood goes into a lot of detail on this selflessness and how not having a self, I mean, who doesn't want to have a self? But that is what a lot of us have grown up with. It's what was encouraged. It was what was applauded. And we can rewrite the script and we can do that starting with little things that we're doing right now. And now a quick break from our podcast sponsor, Rothy's. You know how it feels when you have that new obsession. So maybe you cannot stop binging a show or you keep going back to the same restaurant, even though you've already ordered from them three times this week. Well, Rothy's could be your new everyday shoe obsession. Rothy's shoes give you that right out of the box comfort. There's no break in period. They come in so many amazing styles and colorways. And my favorite part, you can wash them. We know that transitioning from summer to fall is easy with Rothy's because they have so many colors that you can wear from season to season without them going out of style. And it's easy to see why millions of women and so many of the Herself listeners wear Rothy's shoes almost every single day. Rothy's has a few bestsellers. So Amy and I are both so fond of The Point and The Flat. And The People Magazine even named The Point the best flat for their first ever style awards in 2021. They also make insanely comfortable sneakers, loafers, ankle boots, and so much more. There's just such a wide variety with Rothy's for summer and for fall that you never have to worry about getting brand new shoes every single time you hit a new season. So step up your shoes and accessories this season and get ready to be asked, are those Rothy's? Plus, Herself listeners get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash herself. Again, that's $20 off your very first purchase at rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash herself. Now back to our show. I even remember Lucy and I, we got in a disagreement just a few weeks ago. She spills a lot. She spills so much that I told her that she can get a cat if she goes five days without spilling. And it's been over a year and she still hasn't gone five days. So it's definitely something that happens a lot. But it was one of those times where I was already under resource. I was in a long solo parenting stretch. I just didn't want to deal with one more thing. And she spilled. And I remember making this like big fuss, like, are you kidding me? Like cleaning it up and like being loud. Not my personality whatsoever, but I was overreacting 100%. And I threw on Pinocchio because I wanted just a break. And the scene was on where if you guys have seen Pinocchio. I'm not sure if you've, you like know, not it. in two decades, but okay, here we <laughs> the go. The new one just came out. And it was when Geppetto had sold all of his clocks because he loved Pinocchio so much that he sold Aww. all of his clocks to buy a boat to go to this island to go find Pinocchio. And I was like listening to it a little bit, but all of a sudden Lucy came over and she sat on my lap and she gave me a huge hug. And I looked at her, I'm like, Lucy, I'm so sorry that I got loud. I'm so sorry. Like, I'm going to work harder to not get so loud. And she gave me a hug. She goes, Mama, I know. I love you so much. Like, and in that moment, I'm like, she loves me even more than clocks. <laughs> like, yeah. she loves me even more than the most special thing. But sometimes it takes those little moments of mistakes, of things that you wish you wouldn't have done to have that repair and to be able to connect and bond on an even deeper level, even though you screwed up a little bit in that moment because we're human, because we all do. And our bond was even better afterwards because of it. The coolest thing that I've been observing about repair is that when you demonstrate it to your children, because Abby and I say we screw up, we've told you guys a hundred stories. 
when you say, you know what, Max, I'm sorry. I should not have reacted that way and raised my voice. And it ends there. You don't say, because you didn't listen for the first 10 times I said it nicely. You're demonstrating a really great apology and a great connection. And so recently, when school starts back up, I've been really open with Abby about this is my kids struggle. They're very tired. They're depleted. They go to wraparound care after school. Like they are just tired. And so in September, and this happened last year too, we just don't have the best nights because the depletion is very high. You know, they don't want to go to bed, but that's all they need to do is go to bed. And so sometimes if Max raises his voice, I've just been noticing he does a lot of repair now. He'll come over and say, mom, I'm sorry that I raised my voice like that. And so, yes, if we were in a perfect world, would none of us ever be raising our voices or making mistakes? Yes. Is that possible? No. But like you can see that you've demonstrated so much repair that when your kids get a little bit older, I think what's nice is a lot of people listening, their kids are younger than our oldest and even you know, some people listening, they have older kids than we do, but you'll start to see things come back to you that your parenting has done. But when you're in these years, it can be such a slog yes. and you can't see it until, you know, Trey is, he loves to go down the driveway really fast on his scooter. But two days in a row, there has been an older lady walking past with her dog. And so he sees that he's like, okay, in his head, I'm going to wait until she passes because that's the polite thing to do. I know that, you know, she wants to get by with her dog. And the lady said, thank you so much for waiting for us. You know, and it was just my, I'm just observing this. I'm not saying, hey, Trey, wait, wait a second, wait for her to pass. He has seen manners be demonstrated to him. And so now he knows what to do. And that's the goal of parenting is that when they're out there and they yell at their friend, I also want them to say, I'm sorry to their friend. Or when they get in a romantic relationship years and years down the road, I want them to see that Drew and I, when we act in a way that's out of alignment for us, that we apologize to each other. And they're only going to see that if we do it in front of them, which I know Dr. Becky and all of these experts talk about. It's like, if you're going to have a fight in front of your kids, you better appear in front of them Mm -hmm. because they need to see that closed loop my family's okay. Mom and dad are okay. If mom and dad or dad and dad or mom and mom raise their voice, they then take the time to make it right and apologize to each other. So that is something that is just, sometimes you're not going to see it for years, but when it shows, you're like, yes, like all of this is paying off. Oh my God. You're listening to someone drinking the hottest hot sauce in the world, all in the name of science. I'm Dr. Laurie Santos, host of the Happiness Lab podcast, the show that presents the latest research-based strategies for living happier, more joyful lives. In our next season, we'll be tackling issues like regret, controlling your emotions, and how to make friends as an adult. Of course, in the moment, I hated every single one of them. We'll also explore strategies for happier parenting and meet a 60s rock legend who embraces the idea that you only live once. YOLO, YOLO, YOLO. And of course, we'll hear why enduring a little bit of chili-based pain can feel amazing. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's like a boat horn on a scale of one to ten. Listen to the Happiness Lab on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The next thing that we wanted to talk about is self care. And self care, I would say, is one of the pillars that herself's house has been built on. This was one of the reasons we started this podcast. We saw, okay, what's happening around us? Abby and I have so many friends that are in a similar stage of life. What can I easily see is happening? Okay, women are not taking time to their self. They're not taking care of themselves. They're putting themselves last. It's so hard. We feel it. Having careers and kids and a partnership and friendships and all of this stuff is so demanding. There's no doubt about that. So I totally understand that the idea of then also taking care of yourself is really difficult. So as always, we're going to continue to have podcast episodes about it. We're going to talk to experts. We're going to bring them on. Abby and I have also been behind the scenes developing a self-care course. We're so excited about it. We are going to make it affordable. It is a deeper dive than what we give on here. And I will say the coaching is going to push you. This is not the course to take if you're not ready to be pushed a little bit to kind of question your routines and your mindsets and things like that. So we will talk more about that in episodes to come. Today, we are going to share the wait list link in the show notes. So you can go into the show notes to get on the wait list and you'll be the first to know about it. But what I wanted to talk about from a past episode, this is episode 117 with Larissa Galeris. She goes into detail about self-regulation and self-care and why our nervous system literally needs us to pay attention to it. And Dr. Becky, in this episode, if you remember, she got super passionate about the idea. We asked her, you know, how do you feel when people are saying, Abby, do your self-care for your kids? If you can't do it for yourself, at least do it for your kids because you know that that's going to make you a better mom and messaging like this. And Dr. Becky got so passionate, like that is not the message. The message has to be do it for you, period. Like we as women have to feel like we deserve time to ourselves. Like we deserve a break. Like we deserve hobbies that we enjoy actually makes me so angry because it's so normalized for men to have these hobbies that they go golf 18 holes and it takes five hours. They go hunting for a whole weekend. They have these things and you know, no one's telling them they're a bad dad or anything like that. And they feel entitled to take the time. Many, many men do. That's what we know we're dealing with. But here, Abby and I are having all these experts on to tell you guys, no, women have to actually get there and they have to feel entitled to more time, even when they are a mom. Like This is so important to the essence of who you are, the way you feel, the way you can show up. Yes, it has a trickle-down effect. The way that you are feeling about your own self, your health, your mental health, that trickles down to your family. Like that is for certain, but it's not your family and your partner are not the sole reasons that you should be doing it. 
We need to open up that conversation. We are going to have Amelia Nagaski on really soon. She wrote the book Burnout. I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard about it. She has the most eye-opening research on preventing the rage and setting ourselves up for success. I've heard her on other podcasts talk about self-care in a way that she does bring new ideas to the table. So it's not all the things that we've heard. There are these new ideas. I think Larissa does a great job too of making it tangible. You know, we're not all going to be able to leave for a weekend. We understand that. But do we all have a wall that we can touch and stand against so that we feel supported? Yes. Does that actually work? Yes. Like it's these small things. Cause if you have a mind like mine, I am a questioner. I'm like, <laughs> come on. Is this my ear going to work yes. with this ear like, rub? Okay. You, do you, hear, you come and hear these three kids all screaming at the same time. And then you tell me to stand against a wall, but it truly does. Like, one of the things that Larissa has said in the past is for you yourself, like I know some of my triggers now, like I've been doing this long enough. I know that daycare pickup is still so difficult because the three little boys can, everyone is fast. They can run. They don't all want to come to the car. They all have their own agenda. They want to go to their cubby because they want this, this, and this. Like it's like, it's hurting cats. And so I know that's very overstimulating for me. There's other parents that are like talking to me. I love my friends, but this is not like a social thing for me. I just honestly, this is too much. So I pop in gum, which she suggests, and you literally rub your earlobe. And for whatever reason that has to do with your neurological system, you regulate, you're better able to regulate and keep yourself a little bit level-footed. So it's things like that that you might not have thought of, or like me, you might roll your eyes at until you try it. And we need to get women more things that are actually available to all of us. And so that's why I want to talk about some things that are a wall in gum. Everyone can get those. Yeah, they're super cheap. They're easily accessible and it's also fast. Like so many of these things are, oh, go for an hour long run or go to a spa for an entire weekend. And although we love doing those things too, sometimes you need a quick fix in the moment. And Amy, just to circle back to some of the things you said on self-care with the worth, that is the number one thing we talk about in my coaching curriculum. And also one of the number one things that clients bring up every time we have a coaching session, it just comes down to if you ask why and then ask why and just dig deeper, it's that I'm not worthy enough. I'm not worthy enough for time to myself. I'm not worthy enough to take this space. I'm not worthy enough because I haven't given enough to my family, to my partner, to my kids. I haven't done enough in order to deserve this. You don't have to earn your self-care. Like You do not have to earn it. That is something that you are entitled to. It is a necessity in order to just show up as you as a human being. And it's not something that needs a prerequisite in order to have. So the last thing that we want to talk about in this bonus episode is a piece that I've had a lot of work on and I think I'm actually doing a good job on. So we also want to talk about when we yeah, feel okay. like we're like we're like doing stuff good and it's this supporting and not solving for our kids. So how easy is it when your child is trying to put their shoes on just to grab their shoes, put them on, put them in the car, you know whatever it is. It's so much easier to do that. Same thing with puzzles. Like they're trying with that last puzzle piece. It's just so easy just to grab it, put it in right away, problem solved. With Lucy reading is the thing that we're working on right now. Instead of trying to sound it out and go through all the, the pieces of it, all the things that her teacher's working with her on, it's easier just to say the word. But one thing that I've been working on and that in our house we've been working on a lot is to be a supportive role 
and not solving. Mm -hmm. But it comes with something here because I'm also somebody who does some of those things last minute. Like we're on our way out the door and Mike is having trouble with his shoes and it's so much easier to just throw them on instead of having him struggle. And one thing that Dr. Becky brought up is not in the moment. Like not starting that supportive, not solving mechanism in the moment, starting it the night before, starting it 30 minutes beforehand. So she brought up the puzzle analogy where if your kiddo is about to start a hard puzzle, you let them know like, okay, we're taking out this puzzle. This one's going to be hard. Remember the last time we tried it, it's going to be hard. As they pull the pieces together, wow, that's a lot of pieces. Like you're doing a good job, but gosh, that's a really challenging one. So that when they're in the moment, they've already had the mindset of, okay, there is some challenges here. I'm going to have to work a little bit harder. And it's not this immediate frustration. So that's one thing I've been working on since the Dr. Becky episode. And I can tell you guys, it works so much better. Mm. Like even the night before with Micah, laying out the stuff and saying, remember in the morning, we have such little time. Like getting our shoes on, it feels like it takes so much time. How can we work on it this night instead to make it easier? Oh, I can put my socks by my shoes. Awesome. Okay, let's do this. So it's just funny how the little things that we can pick up on from experts, from our friends, from just these conversations, from this episode, implementing them into your life can make such a difference to help your kids get through the tough stuff by supporting them and not automatically stepping in and being the hero. Because we all know it's so much easier just to do it it for them. I was telling our friend Sarah, I'm like, the resilience of the kids having to like work through something is actually one of the hardest parts of parenting for me. But when you're using those examples, it's like, no, it's very, very specific. When we are in a time crunch, yes. the hardest thing for me is to let them do things for themselves because I just want to get out the door. I understand like when there's a ton of auditory input, when there's a lot of noises, and there's a time crunch. Like I am just, that yeah. is not my thing. I'm like, I'll put the shoes on. Like, please just get, like, please And sometimes, just. sometimes that's still okay. Yes. Right. Like, and sometimes that, that is and, still okay. And the point I was going to make is a, that's definitely okay. Because you know that sometimes you're going to have to do that. But B, something that Drew and I have been working on inside of our household for like two years now is me constantly being like, can you please give them more time in the morning or when we're leaving for your brother's house for the weekend? you're always rushing. You take your own time to do whatever you need to do. And then you give the kids 10 minutes. None of us work very well like that. So can you proactively think, okay, the boys could use, hey guys, in a half hour, we're going to leave for Uncle Cody's. What could you do right now to kind of get yourselves ready? Hey guys, do you want to get your stuffed animals? Does everyone know where their stuffies are before we leave? Because like we've had that too. The whole car is packed and we can't find Fluffy, which is Trey's stuffed animal. And then, you know, the parent's mad, the kid is mad, the kid's crying. So can we have some foresight? We were talking to another one of our friends who is a male, Eric, the other day. And that's the thing. He's like, I don't have it. Like my wife has all of this foresight of everything that needs to happen. And Abby and I were like, "Mm, I don't think so. (laughs) You guys do too, because I see you do it in your career. So don't play dumb at home. It's not hard to think. Here's what we need to go and like work together as a couple. So like I said, Drew and I are working on this because I'm still like the savior of the house. Like I always have the final, okay, I'm, you know, packing everything like that. But I do think it's really, really important that the partner tries to improve in the area because otherwise what happens is it's always falling on 
our shoulders and it gets so exhausting that by the 20th time it happens, you like want to throw a shoe at them. That's what it is. And you're Mm -hmm. steamed and you're like, how did we get here again? Because we've done this experiment. It hasn't worked. We know what happens. We know what happens every time. (laughs) It's like, it's just not worth it. So that's one thing that we're working on is we have to give them the time to be able to transition and to be able to do things themselves. It's not going to happen in a rush. No, nothing good happens when you're trying to do a million things that you're heading out the door. So overall, just know that it's a kid's job to feel the range of emotion. And then it's our job to help create those boundaries, help to keep them safe, and then also to help them work through these feelings to teach them resilience. Because as Mm -hmm. we can teach our kids resilience, I mean, we're learning in the process too. We're teaching ourselves resilience. And it might not show up in that very moment, but little by little, you'll start to see that all of these hard conversations, these times where you're able to step in, these times where you're able to just help support them, they lead into some really amazing transformations. So again, this was one of our first bonus episodes, and we would love if you could help us out by sharing it, it. save it, send it, download (laughs) it, do Um, everything. If you want more herself episodes, you guys got to help us out here. Yeah. And these are all free ways to do it, right? So text it to your friend. Literally all these things. (laughs) Email. (laughs) Twitter. Can we put it on Twitter? But it just helps to get this into more people's ears. on TikTok. And as always, just make sure you're following the podcast because then these episodes will pop right into your library every Monday and hopefully every Wednesday as we come into this new year. Thanks again, everyone. 